0: episode of the Wobcast 2.0 and it follows an exhilarating exciting Minnesota Vikings victory lots to get to lots to celebrate on today's show and we're going to get to all of it and then we're going to look ahead to the Green Bay Packers we're going to talk about what that victory means and what we expect next weekend to help me do that is my partner and co-host it's Giles joining yours truly Wobby on today's Wobcast 2.0 welcome in everyone and welcome in Giles how you doing bud
1: Hey, hey, happy Tuesday. Uh, Yesterday was truly the best day of the week. That was about the best present I could have ever gotten on a Monday. My, oh, my. I mean, did the Minnesota Vikings
0: just beat the best team in the NFL? I think they did. Well, um, we're going to talk about that. I I think I would have said they were the best team in the NFL, Giles. Would you have said that before the game?
1: I really would have. Now, obviously, (sighs) that's revisionist history, but I think, honestly, I mean, all bias aside, I would have called them the best team in the NFL going into yesterday.
0: Yeah, um, we're gonna talk about that and who some other teams might be considered the best in the NFL and are the Niners the best and all of that. But um, you know, it was it's twenty two to seventeen. I think I was looking for my sheet, Giles. We were right there on our score predictions. We just kind of had it the. I think we just had it flip flopped. We did have it flip flopped. Uh, you know, I can't find where I wrote that down, but we were both really similar you know 22 16 21 yep. 16 something weren't yep. we yeah um,
1: shame on us for not rooting for the men in purple yeah. my goodness
0: <laughs> happy to be wrong about that i guess exactly um, but it's a 22 to 17 vikings win on monday night football it moves them to 3 and 4 and giles there's a lot to talk about in terms of what looked good this was not a fluke this was not an accident this was not uh a team that gave it away this was a, a vikings team that went out and won it so we're going <clears> to <throat> we're going to get into all of it and talk about it but I kind of want to pull back first um, and and look at, look at the whole thing from the 10,000-foot view. Mm-hmm. I would say as of last Monday night, the Vikings have every right to believe that they can accomplish what they set out to accomplish in 2023. I think it's all right in front of them. And I honestly, I would not have said that two weeks ago. And had they lost this game, I would not be saying that. I think this was... A potentially season-changing victory for them and we I'm not even you know trying to measure my reaction to it I think this was a huge win for them Um, think about what happened in the NFC this week before the Vikings went to Monday went to Monday Night Football and beat San Francisco Detroit loses Green Bay loses specifically in, in the NFC North I don't even think you're exclusively chasing a wild card right now, Giles. I think the Vikings are chasing the Lions, and they're two games behind the Lions, and they still have to play them twice. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lions just looked put- or, yeah, the Lions just looked putrid against a team that's worse than San Francisco. Baltimore is yep. good. Yep. the Baltimore is a playoff caliber team, but they're not as good as San Francisco. And Detroit looked horrible. Mm-hmm. The Vikings enter a soft part of their schedule. Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, Chicago, Vegas. And who, other than the second-place team in the NFC North, is running away with wild cards? Maybe Seattle? You know, they won last week. But Green Bay's lost three straight. The NFC South stinks, and I don't believe in Washington or the Giants right now. Nope. Wins like what we saw last night, Giles, only increase the chances that Justin Jefferson returns on an accelerated time frame, and I think that was a a transformational win for the Vikings, and I'm not even worried that I'm over overstating it.
1: I think last night was a testament that the Vikings have what we truly thought they had going into this season, we said they have amazing weapon sets across the entire line, uh, both offensive line and and weapon sets. And I think we've questioned that up until now through the first six weeks, but going into week seven, they became what we thought they were. Uh, TG Hawkinson finally got back into true form. We've been waiting for him to show up. I think uh, having missed all of the training camp situation, I think definitely hurt him. So I think the timing was definitely ironed out when we came to the San Francisco 49ers we finally played running back by committee that was huge uh it's all that to say i feel like we finally got back to the team that we knew we were and if they can continue on this way without justin jefferson imagine once he comes back
0: yep now this is a week-to-week league so we'll talk Mm -hmm. about green bay here in a little bit uh and what has to happen next week uh at lambeau field but for what we saw at u.s bank stadium last night let's go through what we liked um i'll start and um I have I mean it's cousins. I, I mean you talk about a guy in command, mm-hmm. accurate on time, in command, confident, stoic, um the prime the, the cousins against winning teams and prime time narrative is gone. Um without Jefferson, I mean n- A running game that's been struggling. I mean, Cousins just took the bull by the horns last night and and beat San Francisco. I mean, he was – what more can you say about it? He was sharp.
1: Maybe one of the best uh, games in his entire career. He lit it up. Absolutely lit it up. There was times where adversity hit, and he punched
0: back. Considering what was at stake, the context around that game, Mm -hmm. Monday night at home, yeah, that was maybe a signature performance for him uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of regular season – as far as week seven regular season games can go, that was a clutch spot, and, uh, and Cousins came, came through. So two thumbs up for Kirk Cousins. What else did you like?
1: Yeah, Kirk Tober. Well, I think uh, kind of by extension with Kirk Cousins is offensive line.
0: Yeah, that the was number two for me. The offensive line has yeah.
1: continued to look amazing. Yeah. And uh, I know a lot of people have been uh, kind of having the offensive line as an issue, uh, you know, especially through last season, but I think those things have been fixed. We are now one of the best offensive lines in football. In fact, if you're familiar with ftnfantasy.com, they're kind of a premier uh, uh, scouting and and kind of reporting um, website. Mm -hmm. On October 18th, they ranked the Minnesota Vikings as the number one offensive line in football. Jeez. Really? Based on their performance. Wow. Um, You have teams that I think have perceptions of being great. Uh, like the Detroit Lions have been great now they rank them third uh, according to this website now it's not the end all be all I'm not necessarily completely into rankings but I think it proves that not only do we think that they have a good offensive line they're starting to get national recognition that they're putting out the performance that 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 equals a top offensive line and I've said it all off season if you look at all the teams in the dance when you finally get to the playoffs the best teams in the NFL that move into the final stages one of the common denominators is having a great offensive line. So if you think we can go the yeah. distance this season, offensive line is definitely a big contributor. So uh, we'll get into the grades and all that stuff here later, but the offensive line had a great, great yep.
0: night. I was just going to say that uh, we'll let the PFF data um, reinforce our opinions or not uh, of how we thought the offensive line played. I had them as number two on my list of things I liked about the Vikings' performance against San Francisco on Monday night. Kirk Cousins, number one, offensive line number two. So we are in step on those. Number three for me, two players in particular, but they pl- they both play along the defensive line, uh, Daniil Hunter and DJ Wanham. Yep. Um, and then that group in general. I thought Jonathan Bullard flashed a little bit, um, holding Christian McCaffrey basically in check, 45 yards rushing. He did have a 35-yard touchdown scamper um, off of a swing pass. Um. But generally speaking, I thought um, the Vikings' front, defensive front, uh, also played really well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, I could not agree more. I think uh, we'll get into the grades later, but they had uh, pretty phenomenal days. And kind of extending beyond that is also on the secondary or on the defense. Cam Bynum, my goodness, did he have himself yeah. a day? Yeah. He was all over the board, and through seven weeks now, now that all the teams have played, Cam Bynum is now fifth in the NFL across every single defensive position. In tackles, Oh, really? He has the fifth most amount of tackles across every defensive position. He's third in solo tackles. This guy is is a phenomenal Pro Bowl-level player right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's a defensive back uh, to be premiered, absolutely. Yep. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad we have him on the team. He's
0: definitely bounced back this year, and he's a big reason why we won this game. I was sort of expecting Metellus or somebody to overtake him mm-hmm. at some point in the season. Not happening. If anything, he's you know increased the gap between himself and anyone who might overtake him. Yep. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm I'm imagining he was uh, he's going to be mentioned when we go over PFF grades. I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, for me, you mentioned it. You briefly touched on it, Giles. Loved how Kevin O'Connell and West Chandler uh, or West Phillips uh, used the um, uh, running backs. Mm -hmm. uh the mixing in of acres um tyson chandler involved in a trick play and got a couple of other touches i thought madison popped a little bit uh so love love the way they use the running backs not trying to ask madison to replace dalvin just asking the running backs to contribute in a positive way they did that against san francisco
1: Mm -hmm. 100 percent. and my last one uh is jordan addison my goodness He had uh, a coming out party, really. I mean, he is who we thought he is, and he clearly has been able to provide that dual threat, especially when Justin Jefferson comes back. He's clearly becoming one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. In fact, he's tied for second in touchdowns across all wide receivers in the NFL.
0: Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. No kidding.
1: Absolutely huge. I mean, he's um, quietly becoming one of the best and no one's really talking about it. Maybe now that uh, he's been premiered on Monday night, but uh, he's been very under underscored through six weeks. Yep. So I'm really excited to see the spotlight get put on him.
0: Yep. Uh, yeah. He's definitely stepping up and you're right. Hawkinson did uh, show up a little bit there. We, we, I, we slash I were critical of him in, in last week's episode. And I think he had 11, 11 catches. I think he had yep. 11 uh, for, for 12. Yep. For 80 some yards. Uh, um, couple things that weren't great. I thought there was a few fourth down play calls and decisions I didn't love that the Vikings made. They kicked a 20-yard field goal early in the second half. Didn't love that. It ended up working out for them. I didn't like the punt late in the game. I would have gone for it. Um, that ended up working out for them. Um, but uh, the 54-yard field goal attempt I did like, so I got I to gotta give credit there. I thought that was um, the risk there was field position, but... I like field goals when they salvage a score from 40 or 50 yards out. I don't like field goals when it's a 20 or 25-yard field goal. I mean, at that yep. point, at fourth and three, I think you're better off going for it. And yes. Joe Buck even mentioned as as much on the broadcast saying analytics would suggest that you go for it here to increase your chances of winning. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, though, I thought the play calling was very good by Kevin O'Connell. You saw receivers, and I should say not just play calling, but play design. Mm-hmm. You know, Cousins does a good job when he needs to of throwing people open. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm not trying to take away from Cousins' performance. But O'Connell schemed up some plays where guys were just wide open. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, huge. You know. Um, yeah,
1: in fact, I believe we had five players across our offense that had 30 yards receiving or more. Like okay. five players. That's phenomenal.
0: I mean, and guys are running wide open. Yeah. Um, and, and guys, I mean, there's double moves and there's... Uh, illegal contact and holding on San Francisco defensive backs because they're not reacting the right way. You got um, man beaters on crossing routes where defenders are running into each other. So great play design, great play calling by the Vikings. Energy and atmosphere looked good in U.S. Bank Stadium. I uh, We didn't go to the game this time. We, we typically go to most games. We didn't go to this one. But it looked like it was on fire inside the building. So, um, you know, all in all, a great performance. I, I did expect San Francisco to score and take the lead late in the game both times they had it. Uh, mm-hmm. So surprise that that didn't happen, but a good surprise for the Vikings. Um, I think that San Francisco folks, San Francisco uh, 49ers nation has to be tepidly concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to overreact or panic, but it's two weeks in a row where Brock Purdy looked like you know an Iowa State, quarterback who's taken in the last round of the draft not like you know the Mr. Irrelevant that we celebrate as a a hidden gem um a little concerning I think now didn't have Debo Samuel didn't have Trent Williams I get it but not a great look for Purdy and the Niners offense
1: Yep, 100%. I think uh, teams are maybe starting to get the formula on how to defeat the Niners a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that is definitely to put pressure on Brock Purdy. Um, Now, I think uh, with Brian Flores, you're going to live by the sword and die by the sword, according to what Aikman said on Sunday. With the Uh, blitz. Yep, yep. yep. And I think that won more times than not. Obviously, gave up a few big plays there. um, But I definitely think that's a formula to beat the Niners. And more importantly, I think that's a winning formula for us moving forward because I think we've been able to bend but not break as a defense.
0: Yep, yep. Um, all right, <clears throat> before we move on to Green Bay, let's hit the grades. PFF, uh, take it away, yes. Giles. We'll play the guessing game, and we'll talk about yeah. who was high and who was low from a PFF standpoint.
1: So for week seven, PFF, the top five graded players, any people stand out for you? Because uh, I'm uh, I'm liking the people that I'm seeing in the top <laughs> five. just say that.
0: I bet you are. Well, tell me Cousins was in there. Oh, yeah, he was number four. Okay, yeah, 77. okay, so he's two. in there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh I think that um Christian Derasau was pretty close to lights out. Mm-hmm. Where where was he? Top 5? Uh he
1: was number 2 at an 84.3 yep. grade. He's still lights considered out. to be the best tackle in the NFL across left and right. He is the uh, best He's the best offensive lineman in football right now.
0: Yep. So um Cousins and uh Derisaw were easy ones for me. Now, I don't I'm not automatically doing this one because of the box score. I, I'm also doing this with some intentionality. I would put Addison in there. I'm guessing he was top five.
1: He was the best player on the field. Okay, uh, He had 84.9 grade. He did phenomenally across everything except for run blocking. Honestly, I think he would have broken 90 grade had he not had a few poor run blocking snaps. Obviously, yeah. he's a little bit small, and we've known that for a while. Um, so he had an elite game, an elite game. And, uh, yeah, if he could be a, just a little bit heavier, I think he would be the best you know, the best compliment to Justin Jefferson and one of the top 10 receiver.
0: Okay. So I'm four for four here, right? Yep. So I have OL on the list. Like that is put OL. I wanted to call Darrison out because I was uber impressed with him as I always am. Is the fifth guy an offensive lineman?
1: Uh, Not technically.
0: Okay. Is it Hawkins? Oh, is it Oliver again? Nope. Oh, Hawkinson. It is,
1: you were right with yeah. Hawkinson. He was the yeah. third best graded player at an 82.8 grade, uh, had a phenomenal day in, in every category. He was the receiver yeah. we needed him to be, especially with the deduction of Justin Jefferson. Uh, yeah. He's the guy that we signed to a big contract in the offseason, so I'm glad that he brought, brought himself back to the party.
0: You're right, guys. Those are good names to have as top performers. If those are and, your top performers week in and week out, you're going to win a lot of games. Correct. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And then the fifth graded player was Brandon Powell. Uh, oh, really? A guy that people uh, have recognized through seven weeks, but he had a 75.3 grade, did very, very well. He play, played 43 snaps. He played a lot. Yep. I mean, granted, Justin Jefferson is out, but still, he did uh, very well across the board, was great in run blocking. I think uh, when people thought about him from the Rams, he was primarily a kick returner. And people thought about him in that way he was used in oh, that. Yeah. he wasn't necessarily used as a receiver so i'm really yeah. really excited to see him getting introduced into the receiving game uh because i believe if i'm not mistaken um when you think about the box score across the board brandon powell averaged 16 yards per reception he had 64 wow. yards on sunday or on, on, uh, on monday night Wow. Yeah, he went uh, four receptions, 64 yards. Did phenomenal. Had a 27 yarder, um, was four for five. Like, I'm really, really excited to see his introduction because once Justin Jefferson is back, if he's your fourth option, you're doing pretty good.
0: Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, Quickly, uh, who was not great?
1: So, I think some of these can be a little bit misleading, but Johnny Mont was the worst. Uh, unfortunately, at a 39.8 grade, he struggled in run blocking, was not used in any pass blocking snaps. Um, he did have a few targets and did not do uh, super well with those either. It um, was, wasn't horrible, but you know really struggled against that blocking game. And then Josh Oliver really hit a tough game, uh, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I believe he had two targets uh, for six yards. Uh, so in the receiving game, he wasn't used a ton. Uh, but at the end of the day, he did a little bit poorly in the run block. Game, which is very unusual for him, did very well in the pass blocking game, which I think is important for our pass game, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but he had a little bit of a struggle bus of a game, and then ironically, Garrett Bradbury um, had a little bit of a rough game in the pass blocking. Uh, but I think when you have such strong performance from the guards, I think well, I, I shouldn't say strong, but they were they were adequate, um, you know. But I think uh, Garrett Bradbury had a little bit of a down night at a fifty three point three grade, and I do think it's important to note that this is where the offensive line gets a little fuzzy because. The offensive line didn't give up a single snap on Monday night, which I think a is single, huge. It's absolutely A single huge. sack? Or I'm sorry, a sack. Correct. Yeah. Yes, sack. Um, and I think that's huge for an offensive line. And I think when you think about our game plan going into the, the 49ers, I think we wanted plays to develop. And in order for that to happen, you have to have longer developing plays, and you're going to get pressure, right? And I think yeah. some of those are maybe getting counted against the offensive line. But I think that's just to be expected when you have some of those longer developing routes. Uh, so I'm not completely concerned with that because – They didn't give up a single sack, and
0: I think that's what's important. Nice. Yep. Uh, It did feel like Cousins had time. Whenever you watch Nick Bosa, he's, like, always moments away from a sack, it feels like, and I didn't get that, like, overwhelming, like, feeling about Bosa. He probably had some good snaps. I'm not saying he got shut out, but he, you know, he wasn't a guy who ended up being a factor. He was a factor in that the Vikings had to – scheme around him and scheme for him but he didn't impact the game from a sack pressure turnover standpoint Um, and if you can neutralize his impact in that way obviously that's a huge advantage and a huge um, positive indicator for you to win the game because he's Mm -hmm. you know their best or second best player on defense to go along with those two inside linebackers they have uh, who are also really good. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, speaking of defense, let's go to the Vikings defense now. Um, Yes. Bynum I have in my top five. Okay. Um, Hunter and Wanham, I don't know if they're in there, but I saw them give the Niners tackles a hell of a time on almost every snap. So I have both Hunter and Wanham in there. I'm putting Bullard in there. And then my, I'm putting my guy Jordan Hicks in there. So those are my five guesses for top five defense. How'd I do? Those
1: are, those are all really good guesses. Coming in at number five is Harrison Smith with a 75.2 okay. grade. He did okay. maybe the best among all safeties in the NFL at run defense. He was amazing in tackling. He had a little bit of an issue in coverage, but he still had a 75.2 grade. So Harrison Smith, Mr. Reliable, Harry the Hitman, played every snap. Moving on to number four is Jordan Hicks. We had a 75.8 grade. My this guy, guy was yep. elite in pass rush on Sunday, or on Monday, uh, Monday evening. So he had two uh, two hurries. Uh, he had six tackles. Like this guy was exactly who he thought he was. Uh, he had he's a pass break one breakup. of the best. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. He's one of the best yep. middle linebackers in football right now. Uh, so I love to have him on the field. Okay. And number three, our boy jaqueline roy from really? lsu you had a okay. 78.4 grade um, now i wouldn't say he snaps? played all the snaps uh, yeah. so he played very few snaps um okay. uh but when he was on the field he did very well so i expect him uh, to translate that over to uh you know playing a little bit more so uh great from mr roy over there and then coming in at number two is ivan pace jr shooting back wow. up to the elite category at an 81.4 grade now i also think they were doing a little bit of middle linebacker by committee so he Didn't play every snap, so I think um, you know maybe they're they're switching things in and out, uh, um, you know, based on their longevity. But he did have an eighty-one point four grade, and uh, expect him to get a little bit more weaved in because I believe he's been battling injury up until this point. And obviously, coming in at number one is Cameron Bynum at a 92.0 grade. He did phenomenal in every single category. He played every snap just like he always does. He's Mister Reliable. He's maybe one of the best, the best defensive player we have right now.
0: Yeah, interesting. You know, I thought Hunter and Wanham impacted the game. <clears throat> Obviously, the PFF data doesn't uh, indicate that. Yep. But I look at it from just watching it on TV standpoint, 98 and 99 were coming almost every pass rushing snap. Yep. Um, and then I thought Hunter made a couple of really good plays against the run. I believe yep. Wanham had a tackle for loss in the run game, too. So, um, yep. you know, maybe they're honorable mention, but I thought those two guys played great. I think Daniel Hunter would have been in the top 5 but he had a horrible day in run defense.
1: Ironically, he mm. had a 28.2 grade. Now, he had an 82 in pass rush. Uh so he was yeah. doing phenomenal yeah. in every category we needed him to except for run. And yeah. uh that really brought him down. He ended the day at a 59.4 grade specifically because of his run defense so okay. uh, move that away and he would have been in the top five absolutely all right yep uh and it, then just quick three honorable mentions for yeah. you know kind of some poor for more uh, performers he had kairis yeah. tonga at a 30.6 grade i uh, only played a few snaps but did not do well uh caleb evans he did play 52 snaps almost every snap uh and ended the day at a 43.0 grade so he had a real rough day uh in that in that world and then josh patelis uh ultimately had uh, another rough day he had a forty. grade he really really struggled uh in coverage uh and had a few uh woes in the run defense so hopefully we can get him to bounce back because every other game he's been one of our best run defenders
0: okay interesting um any other notes or thoughts on on this win over san francisco gals either um you know from a a data-driven standpoint or uh, personnel usage or just general narratives from the game for you
1: Yep. Ironically, uh, when it came to 11 personnel, they ran the, uh, the 11 personnel, I believe, 66% of the yeah. time. So they did not follow our instructions no. uh, when it came to 21 personnel. And it worked personnel. out for them. Yep. It does. Uh, it definitely did. Uh, I mean, when you think about the recipe book from the 2022 season, 11 personnel was, was the game plan. And I feel like they we've talked about this before, but I feel like they've really tried to shift away from that to try to mimic the San Francisco 49ers of last year. And I really think that that caused an identity crisis. And on Monday night, that was the team that we saw last year. They were dynamic, yeah. they were aggressive, they weren't mm-hmm. playing in fear. Um, so I'm really excited to see what we saw there. Um, but beyond that, um, we're still 10th in yards, 13th in points. so We're moving our way up the leaderboard when it comes to those important categories. And the most important that I'm excited about, call me a, a homer here, is that we finally moved away from number one in turnovers. Before we were number one in turnovers by a wide margin, we're finally number two. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, finally, the Raiders are, are taking that, uh, okay. that trophy there. So, uh, hopefully we can continue to go down the leaderboard, uh, in that category because turnovers are quite the killer. So, uh, hopefully we can get that, uh, and, and keep that under wraps. Uh, Hunter is still first in sacks. Uh, yep. he's, he's a dominant force right now. Uh, like I mentioned, Cam Bynum is in fifth in tackles across every defensive position. Uh, JJ, Justin Jefferson has missed two games already. And he's still seventh in receiving yards <laughs> he's Funny. still top 10. uh hawkinson is ninth in total receptions and addison is second in touchdowns across all wide receivers throughout the nfl so really excited to see those guys playing i think if we can continue on that performance we have a few w's on the board uh, thank you
0: here. going back to the 11 personnel giles and the usage of that which we questioned and criticized last week and mm-hmm. suggested 21 personnel more often uh, given how well Josh Oliver was playing and uh, the, the fact that Justin Jefferson is not included uh, right now because of injury. Going back to that, if you would have told me, though, that the Vikings were going to protect the passer the way they did last night, mm-hmm. I'm more inclined to be okay with 11 personnel because the big thing to me is asking Cousins to stand behind average pass protection without Justin Jefferson and Hawkinson playing poorly, I think that's a disaster. However, if Hawkinson's going to play well, if the offensive line is going to protect, and if Kevin O'Connell can call plays that need time to develop and not worry about that pass rush, then I'm okay with 11 personnel. Mm -hmm. So we were wrong in one respect, the way we talked about it in our suggestion, but the caveat there is, the Vikings improved a lot of things that you need to be good at to run 11 personnel. And if that's going to happen week in and week out, then by all means, run 11 personnel.
1: Yes, oh, 100%. I think you hit it, uh, hit the nail on the head. And obviously, the 49ers are one of the most stout defensive units in the NFL. So if we can make this work against them, I am very confident that we can mimic this formula and go uh, take that to Green Bay.
0: Yeah, me too. So let's, let's talk about Green Bay then. Um, admittedly, I have not... Really gone on a deep dive and looked at this matchup and um, you know looked at personnel and assessed my my guesses on injuries and who's in and who's out. Um, Maybe we have time to do that later in the week with another episode. Maybe we don't. So let's let's keep it pretty high level here as we preview the Vikings' upcoming game, which is against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field on Sunday. Um, I know um, you know golf, Giles. Uh, I love playing um, and. You and I have been on the course together before, so you you know you may be familiar with this. But there is a saying in golf: after you play a great hole, uh, let's say you make eagle or birdie, mm-hmm. and then the following hole, it's a disaster off the tee or you four put on the green. It's called the post birdie bleep up, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot have the post birdie bleep up here at Lambeau Field, Giles. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because. The, the hoof spa that we have right now that we came into the show with that fast-paced, positive, excited intro talking about how all the goals are right in front of you, you absolutely put a dagger through that if you lose the next week at Lambeau Field. You aren't mathematically eliminated. You're not down and out, and you shouldn't wave the white flag, but you really spoil a momentous victory if you go next week and lose at, at Green Bay against the Packers team that's lost their last three, and is totally reeling at the moment.
1: Oh, 100%. I think your main priority needs to get back to even, right? If you don't yeah. get back to even, I think the same question marks around our team rise from the NFL media. Uh, so I completely agree. Now, I think the the part that concerns me uh, the most is that, is that this is a divisional game because historically the Vikings have not done well after a huge win. We've always yeah. struggled. Even if we've won, we've still struggled from that emotional victory. And... Yep. I do think the difference here, though, is that if you were to contrast this with last season, when we had a big victory, it was in the slew of having a ton of great victories and we had to have a big one. We've had it. A really difficult year and finally we had a big one so i'm hoping that the weight of that is still pretty present that continues on our momentum here um so i'm I'm really relying on kevin o'connell to keep the uh the the emotional momentum here at, at the right pace because this is an incredibly important victory for a lot of reasons
0: yep agreed um let's briefly take a look again at the context around where the vikings are right now heading to green bay now, upsets happen every week, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the Vikings upset the Niners.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? So, but let's look at the landscape of the NFC and the NFC North. The Vikings um, are are even, or it's a pick against Green Bay. Um, we're going to get to our predictions here in a minute. But let's look at the other games and other NFC contenders. In the NFC South, you have the Bucs and the Saints and the Falcons. The Bucs are dogs at Buffalo. Um, I think the Falcons will probably beat Tennessee. Um, and then the Saints, let's see. What do we have for the Saints? They are at Indy their dogs. Um, you have the Giants and the Commanders are both dogs. The Commanders play the Eagles. Giants play the Jets. Um, Seahawks are going to be favorite at home against the Browns. And then you have the Lions who are at home against the Raiders. All of this to say, you have a lot of NFC contenders who are going to be underdogs here this week. I think the Vikings are going to win in in Lambeau Field. So it's just so interesting to me how quickly things can turn in this league, Giles. Two weeks ago, it's like I don't have a path for the Vikings to win the division, and I don't know that they're serious contenders for the wild card. And right now, I'm sitting there going... If you think it's good now, wait for one week from right now if they win at Lambeau Field because I have a feeling that Raiders-Lions game is going to be close. Yep. Um, You know, I'm discounting the Bears, Um, and I think the NFC South is terrible, and Mm -hmm. anyone who wants to suggest that the Commanders and Giants are – wild card contenders i mean the commanders are going to lose to the eagles next week and the giants have to deal with the jets that's kind of a toss-up game but the jets are favored so um all of a sudden the worm has turned a little bit here for the vikings and they've got a chance to rip off some victories here this unexpected win against the niners is a really really big deal the vikings have won three of their last four Giles,
1: which is a gigantic deal especially in the context that our schedule was front loaded when you look at yeah. the most difficult games on the schedule, they were front loaded. And yep. now, I mean, no games in the NFL are gimme games, but we have a much easier schedule here moving forward than a lot of other NFL teams. So if we can keep our our posture in the right format, there is a, a chance we could go on a run here. Now, obviously, you yep. have to, to win each week. Like, you, you, you have to give it a go because everyone's still paid $200 million the same. Yeah. Uh, but there's a real realistic route to getting 12 wins even, I think. Yeah. I really do. Now, yep. I mean, will that happen? We'll see. But I think there's a realistic route to hitting to twelve wins.
0: Yep, um, I I think that um, I think that the way the NFC is falling, and Detroit has this. I think Detroit's good. I like their roster. I like their sort of their. Um, I like their brand. I guess would be the way to say it. But they do the they have these moments guys like they had against the ravens man where it's like that is so ugly i can't unsee that i cannot unsee <laughs> what what detroit did at baltimore if yeah. detroit loses that game but it's like 24-17 or 24-20 it's like man detroit it's crazy that isn't this is not your dad's detroit anymore right mm-hmm. but like that is your dad's detroit right there man what mm-hmm. they did in baltimore <laughs> And I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but it's you look at a Vikings team that's won three out of the last four and just beat San Francisco and has a soft schedule coming up, and then you look at Detroit doing what they did, and you remember their Detroit, and you just can't help but have that little sense of optimism for, for the Vikings right now. Now, Green Bay could be thinking the same thing, too. They've lost three straight, just mm-hmm. like the Vikings opened the season like that. Let's turn it around. Let's get a big win at home against the Vikings, and we can maybe get back in it. But I don't see it going that way for Green Bay. I think um, I think there are going to be times where the Vikings pass rush pass rush gets to Jordan Love and affects mm-hmm. the game, and then I don't believe in Jordan Love enough yet to sort of like pick his way through all the Brian Flores pressures, blitzes, mm-hmm. weird things that are going to happen. I, I don't. I think LaFleur can do it and can devise a plan for it and yep. and like rogers would you know obviously the packers would be favored by five or six if the, if he was there in this matchup but i don't think jordan Love's got that experience yet he watched rogers do it but he hasn't done it himself and i think green bay is going to struggle against this defense now it'll be different for them later on in the season when they play minnesota for a second time uh in the penultimate week of the season but um I think this first time around against the Vikings defense, I think Jordan Love is definitely going to struggle. And so if the Packers defense shows up, this is a good close game down the stretch, low scoring game where I'd play the under. If the Vikings sort of have their way here, this could get ugly um, in favor of the Vikings um, because I just don't think Green Bay is going to do much on offense.
1: Yep, I completely agree. And I think it's important to note that November is seven days away. Okay. NFL games and NFL seasons start in November. Yes. And I think I think the Packers are starting to realize that and understanding, all right, well, I don't think we can make that happen. And I think the Vikings think they can. Uh, so I expect the, the Vikings to win handily. Um, so we'll get into our predictions here in a second, but I completely agree. I think we, we win most matchups here against the Packers because they are clearly in a rebuilding mode, and I think they're starting to realize it as a team.
0: Yeah. I, I think places where this can go wrong for the Vikings – are if they, obviously turnovers, Yeah. if they get too cute here against Green Bay and lose, like, they, Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips, just, they, they stuck true to who they are. No Justin Jefferson at home um, helped them, but no Justin Jefferson against a great defense. They could have... Yeah. Tried to hide behind that and tried to let's control the clock and let's shorten the game and let's like they're like no we we are who we are and we're gonna execute we're gonna have a great week of practice we're gonna execute we're gonna run eleven personnel sixty percent of the time and we're gonna we're gonna call our plays that develop and, and get guys to run free and run open and that that's what they did and it worked so if they do that here against Green Bay I think they're in great shape.
1: And I think that was clearly demonstrated on Monday night because historically through six weeks, the Vikings were in about the 30 percentile or like a 30 percent conversion rate when it came to third down. And on Monday night, they were in, the, I believe, the 65 range yeah. for third down conversion. So if they can continue that on, I think we have a real shot here.
0: Yeah. All right. So as for the prediction, um, it's a pick'em game and the over under is set at 43. I just looked. Um, I think this is 2310 Minnesota. <laughs> so i would take the vikings obviously in a pick and i'd actually be playing the under here um yep. i i think it's um a, a really tough go for jordan love against brian flores the first go around we'll see how they match up the second time as i said earlier uh there will be lessons to be learned for jordan love and matt Lafleur going against what brian Flores is going to present from a defensive standpoint so presuming there is not some sort of out-of-body experience for the Vikings offense turning the ball over and the Packers scoring on defense or the Packers scoring on a kick return, something like that. I think this is a really tough go for the Packers offense. I think they put up about 10 or 13 points, and I think the Vikings come away with a, an 8-10, 12-point victory at Lambeau Field. How about you?
1: It, it's like you read my notebook. I am also playing the under here, yeah. uh, but in a little different format. I'm expecting a 12-30 to 30 game okay. here. I really think the Vikings are going to go punch them in the mouth again and show the, the league okay. and put them on notice that we are an elite offense and you're really going to have go, to go toe-to-toe with us in order to go uh, go win a game. So yep. I really expect this to be a high-scoring game for the Vikings. And uh, aside from, from injuries, I really think we should win this game handily. Yep. Also uh, considering turnovers, we actually <laughs> need yep. to make sure that we keep those in hand. But I do believe that we win this game by a wide margin.
0: Alright, well, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, the Vikings will be on the road. It's at Lambeau Field um, on Sunday as they look to continue their hot streak, Giles, and uh, and and stay hot and keep ripping off victories and try and get back into this race, um, you know, I I think we we'd be remiss not to mention there is a Justin Jefferson return on the horizon as well. So it's kind of like you know you mentioned the season doesn't start till November, right? And it's like if you can just stay alive and stay alive and stay alive and survive a trough like this. It's amazing what can happen when the reinforcements come. The schedule remains soft. You get Justin Jefferson back. Um, I think you got to sort of you gotta relish in that right now. It was so negative early on for this team, Giles. Mm-hmm. They sort of took their, their licks, and they kept moving, and here they are with a real shot to really get back in it uh, with a win at Lambeau Field and then a Justin Jefferson return on the horizon.
1: Yep, 100%. And... Had this not been a win, I think we would be talking about a different uh, kind of a different skew for the rest of the league and the rest of the season, Um, because I'm seeing pretty tremendous play from. KJ Osborne and Brandon Powell, when I think about their positions on the depth chart, they're yeah. equally reliable. And had we not won, I would have said, let's trade one to like the chiefs, uh, or something like that and go get draft capital. But considering our injuries with Justin Jefferson and our, our opportunity to really go deep this year, I'm really excited about the depth at all the right places, where we really have the opportunity to, to continue on, even when we do have some, some minor woes when it comes to, to availability. So I think there's some, some real shots here that I'm really excited about. Yeah.
0: All righty. Uh, anything from your notebook we didn't get to?
1: Uh, no, honestly, we're, we're, uh, we're doing very well. I'm excited for this upcoming Packers game.
0: Yeah, me too. It's going to be fun to watch. That game is on Sunday. Uh, it's at noon, Vikings and Packers. Enjoy the game. Everyone. Thank you for listening. We encourage you to, uh, listen, like, and follow the Wobcast 2.0. You can find us wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts and football content. Uh, Google play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And of course we're on YouTube on behalf of Giles, This is Wobby signing off for now until next time, everybody. Skull Vikings.